All right, everybody, welcome to B.O. Boys for Monday, July 10th. Fuck it, it's Rafid. We're doing it live. I'm Clayton. Yeah, I'm Pat. And Clayton, I am still in France on the European vacation. I am now in the south of France. I'm in the countryside, relaxing, taking afternoon siestas. And, uh, you know, before we get into talking about this weekend, which, I mean, this is a gigantic weekend uh, that's going to have effect on the box office for years to come. I think we have to talk about an, an international incident that I had in Paris the other day. So we had a wannabe Parisian spotted me on the streets of Paris. I was, I was with my wife. We were about to do a little walking tour. And a man on a bicycle came up to me and said, Of course on a bike. Well, why would to stay? And it's great. He was getting exercise. He was he was moving about town, doing his business. Okay. Wasn't in a car. I, I, would you prefer he was in a pickup truck? It wasn't. Well, of course, but I, that's not the stain. I just I just made a you know it was just an observation. Okay, so so he was in, he was on a bicycle. He was not on a pickup truck hauling dirt, and came over, said, "Are you Pat Sango?" I said, "Yes." And he then told me he is a wannabe boy, lives in Paris, loves the show, went for the handshake. I gave him the handshake, and then he went about his business. So it was this was the ideal interaction for all of uh, our listeners who are out there. When you spot myself, or if you spot Clayton, who I think is he's got a less public uh, persona than I do. He's a tougher spot. Would you say you're a tougher spot at this point in life? Oh, absolutely. I mean, I got the sunglasses, the hat. I'm covered right. in soot. You're, yeah, yeah. I'll be covered in soot. If you see a soot man, you know, like a, a like a pig pen-esque figure walking through the streets, then that could be Clayton. But, but definitely don't, uh, don't risk it. Don't risk it. So, yeah, don't go up to Clayton. But if you see me do it the way this wannabe old Parisian did the other day, which was – Quick interaction, state your fandom, and mm-hmm. then moved along. Let me go about my day. You know, there wasn't uh, an ask for autographs. He didn't have like a, uh, you know, a poster, a B.O. Boys poster that he wanted me to sign so he could sell it on eBay. Didn't want to do selfies, didn't bust out yeah. a selfie stick. Just yeah. said, I'm a fan, shook, shook my hand like a wannabe old man, and went about, got back on his bicycle. And did whatever he does in life. So that that's the that's the ideal interaction. So thank you to that wannabe old Parisian for <coughs> setting the setting the the template for what all wannabe old boys, wannabe old girls, wannabe old people people should do when they see me or the Sootman Clayton in public. Mm-hmm. Nice. So I, I think now with that, with, you know, listen, the show is bigger than ever. We're getting yeah. recognized all over the world. So uh, if you haven't already, five stars on Apple Podcasts, subscribe on YouTube. Let's spread this thing. You know, it's going around the world. Let's get into outer space. Let's really make this B.O. Boys thing happen. So Clayton, with that well, said, Pat, I think it's before, time to That's a big one. That's a big okay. one is the reviews. Mm-hmm. Stop this episode right now mm-hmm. and just go to Apple Podcasts Give us five stars. Shoot us a quick review. It doesn't have to be anything involved, huh? Huh? Just write. Love the show. 
Yeah. Blah, blah, blah. Five stars. You can even put, love the show, blah, blah, blah. Five yep. stars. Yep. Then get Use back that. to listening. Mm-hmm. Get back to listening because that's huge for us. You know, we got the Minahan bump and, you know, we, 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 need, we, we need to spread this because people need to know the information about the box office the real information about the box office. Yes, yes. And we're about to give it to you. Yes, this isn't about us wanting to make the show bigger so that we could profit, huh? So huh. that so that you know we could live on an island, huh? Huh. It's about getting vital box office analysis out further and further into the public. So, yep. you know, help us do that. Anyway, Clayton, I think it's time for you to give a plow for the weekend of Friday, July 7th? Yes. Friday, July yes. 7th. And you know, hate to say I told you so, mm. but we told you so. Number one, Insidious, The Red Door, $32.6 million in its debut weekend. Number two, Indiana Jones and the Dial of Destiny made $26.5 million, down 56%. It's at $121.2 million in its second weekend. Number three, Sound of Freedom made $18.2 million. It's total gross as of Sunday. Well, as of Monday, is $40.2 million. Number four, Elemental. Made $9.6 million, down 21%. It's at $109.1 million in its fourth weekend. And Spider-Man Across the Spider-Verse made $8 million, down 33%. It lost 382 theaters. It's at $357.6 million in its sixth weekend. And that is beating Guardians 3 for the biggest of the summer at the moment. Mm-hmm. And let's do number six and seven here. Number six, Joyride, a newbie, tanked at $5.8 million in its first weekend. And number seven, No Hard Feelings, made $5.2 million, down only 33%. It lost 522 theaters. It's at 40.4 in its third weekend. That is your top seven. Wow. So, I mean, let's listen. There's the big stories, Insidious and Sound of Freedom. Those are the big ones. But let's let's start at the bottom first with these summertime uh, raunchy comedies. So, No Hard oofa, Feelings oofa. in its third weekend basically made the same amount that Joyride made its opening weekend. And before mm-hmm. the summer, there was talk. You know, this was sort of like a a mini Barbenheimer, you know, Joyride and No Hard Feelings. Would they be battling it out for the, you know, the raunchy comedy of the summer? Obviously, Strays is going to crush them both at the end of the summer. But yeah, this was no competition. I mean, Joyride opening weekend, it immediately petered out, ran out of gas. And what happened here, Clayton? Because this five million is way lower than I thought. I thought this could break out. I was predicting 12 or 13, but even you were going like around eight in the opening weekend. And for this to basically pull a machine, you know, that this basically did maybe even less than what the Burt Kreischer, the machine sort of joke movie made 
a few months ago and made with the Sebastian Maniscalco all about my father movie made a few months ago. Dude, so dude, dude. what happened this with made as much This made nearly as much as Joe Coy's Easter Sunday made. Wow. Wow. Right. A year That's ago. That's the comp here. Yeah. That Not even movie. on Easter. Yeah. That, that is really rough for this movie because it was promoted. I don't know how well it was promoted, honestly, because mm-hmm. people did not turn out to this, but- I you know I was I was being hopeful that this would open, quote unquote, low, mm-hmm. and then maybe have like a, a good hold because people are choosing it after they choose Insidious. But I don't know. This movie looks pretty DOA. I'm trying to see what the demos for this are. Yeah, this could be a movie where the the tally is so low that they haven't even bothered to collect demos because I'm not seeing any demos in Anthony D is for Disney D'Alessandro's right through. He's definitely not Anthony D is for demos because he should have demos for every new movie, but he only has them for Insidious. But, (coughs) you know, something you, it looks like, correctly pointed out in, in our weekend preview was you didn't think there would be enough young audience to go around to satisfy both a new horror film in Insidious and a new raunchy comedy in Joyride. And the youngsters were going to make their choice and they were going to go horror. And that does seem to be part of what happened here is the youngsters did not uh, uh, did not choose comedy this weekend. They chose horror. Mm-hmm. Well, because young women are the people uh, – not. I mean – it's young people in general, but young women do go see horror in large numbers, mm-hmm. and that's where Joyride was aimed for. So it turns out 58% uh, of people who went to see Joyride were women, 61 between 18 and 34, which is very good. Mm-hmm. But uh, we don't have any sort of uh, demo, you know... Ethnic breakdowns. Race. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it's, I think people went and saw this red door. And I think we can say that, listen, 40 is not 100. 40 is not 120. But $40 million for a comedy right now, I mean, this just shows the strength of Jennifer Lawrence here. Mm -hmm. I think that's the driving factor with this is that, listen, I'm sure the actors in Joyride are lovely people. But they are not stars. They are not household names. Right. Right. Jennifer Lawrence is a household name. Right. And, you know, this isn't a grand success as a movie, but it just continues to show that she's got it. She's got something. And she brings butts to the seats. Yes. Yes. I mean, it's not going to have the there's something about Mary run. And you you can't hold that as the bar because that's an historic run. But. You know, that second weekend of No Hard Feelings where it dropped a full 50% showed it was not going to have probably even a game night run. You know, I think game night is the the run that we could look to for recent box office history where that mm-hmm. opened similarly 17 million. I think it got to, you know, 70 domestic or so. But No Hard Feelings has had 40 after three weeks. It, I think... Is going to get to 50? I mean, the big problem I think No Hard Feelings is going to face is it lost 522 theaters last weekend, 
Mission Impossible Dead Reckoning Part 1 is opening this weekend. It's going to lose mm-hmm. more theaters. Week from now, Barbie opens. And I think that takes a ton of No Hard Feelings theater. Uh, so the A month the, from now, you, you mean, right? Uh, no, Barbie's in two weeks. Barbie's, Barbie's. Uh, Mission Impossible opens later this week. And then Barbie's the following week. Where it's here. Okay. So so what I'm saying is in the next few weeks, No Hard Feelings is just going to lose a lot of theaters. Um, and it doesn't have the holds that are so magnificent that it's going gonna, it's gonna to force the theater's hands. I think that's going to be an issue for No Hard Feelings is how is it going to have a long-term run if it's losing 500 theaters already in its third week and probably next week loses 500 to 1,000 more? Well, so game night, game night was at 45 in its third weekend. Now, of course, this okay. was in February and March. This wasn't in right. a loaded summer season, like right. you said. But it opened at 17. So it opened a little bit higher. It, it, it legged out to 69. So, yeah, I mean... I don't know if it's possible, but here's the thing. We can't underestimate that beach scene. We can't underestimate Jennifer Lawrence. So I don't want to sit here and say that this isn't possible, that like a $60 million cume isn't possible. It is possible. It's possible. It's possible. I think 50 to me is going to happen. I would, Mm -hmm. I would, I would, you know, not stake my reputation. My reputation is too great to stake on any single thing. But I would predict it's probably going to go over 50. And I think that's a solid, you know, uh, we're not sports analysis, huh? But that's a single. Huh. You know, mm-hmm. that's, a. I would say, a single. You round first base. You think about second, but you probably don't end up at second base if it hits 50 million. And 60 million would be a clear, you know, that's a hit. That's a success. That's a, a job well done. Um you know, back to Joyride, I think this is, like you said, this is DOA. This mm-hmm. isn't going to break. It maybe was promoted as too gross, possibly. You know, I don't know if it, it, right now comedy also has to find itself in terms of the level of raunch that audiences want. You know, and I've seen stills for this movie and, and uh, posters for this movie where there is vomit, you know, where there is, uh, it, or it seems like retching. I feel like I've seen freeze frames where there is there is retching. Uh, I think you're searching the for these frames. I think this is a search. I, I put them. I put Joyride retch. Okay, well there you go. And I that's what I get. You but, get well, what you ask is, for. This is something that you brought up yourself personally when you saw uh trailers for this movie is you felt like it was too raunchy and now that we've had this opening weekend of five million do you think that the marketing leaned too much on the raunch because no hard feelings did not lean very hard on super hard on the raunch it had some double entendres you know obviously that no hard feelings hints at hardness for i won't say what it is but people know what the hardness could be it hints at that stuff, but it doesn't lean on the raunch. I think Joyride's marketing leaned on the raunch, and I thought that would be a positive. But maybe, you know, modern day, summer 2023 audiences didn't want a raunch fest. Well, 
I didn't see this movie. I have no plans of seeing it now because it's a uh, you know a total box office turd. But the thing that I'm hearing mm-hmm. is that it actually swerves into weird territory at the end where it's not raunchy. So it's like it has a tonal issue. Okay. And so I do think maybe they led with the raunch and misrepresented this film. Okay. I felt like the they put all their money, you know, all their chips on gross out, right? Mm-hmm. And it didn't pay off. Like for me, I I watch I mean, listen, this is this this is coming from a gentleman who in the last 3 months has watched Tom Cats, okay? okay. And Kids, if you don't Co-star know what Tom Cats is, yeah. If you don't know what Tom Cats is, just Google that, or you know, watch the trailer. You don't have to watch the whole thing like I did. This is a man here that is not opposed to raunch, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. but there was something about that trailer that had no nuance to it. It kept hitting the button. The button, the button, the button to the point where I tuned out and I mm. said, This feels like a gross movie I don't want to see. And then you watched Tomcats with Jerry O'Connell. Then I watched Tomcats again. But if, if, uh, as, and starring Gary Busey's son, the late Jake Busey. No, he's not late. But I mean, maybe late for a business meeting, maybe late for AA, but he's not uh, passed. But that, was he Shasta uh, McNasty? He was. He, he was. The, okay. So you're he's watching Shasta movies. McNasty. You're watching movies co-starring Shasta McNasty and not getting mm-hmm. grossed out. But the trailer for Joyride you felt was too much. In, in Tomcats, uh, uh, his testicle gets eaten mm. after mm-hmm. surgery. Right. That's what we're talking about. So listen, I, I don't. I don't blanch at much. But there was something about this Joyride trailer that turned me off. Okay. And so if it turned me off, then it might have turned more people off. But let's not focus on the negative here because really I think the reason, and you mentioned it earlier and I mentioned it last time, the reason this movie, one of the big reasons this movie tanked is because everybody wanted to see behind the red door. Yes. Insidious. Five? Five. Insidious five. Because remember, so, Patrick Wilson and Rose Byrne, they're in one, they're in two, take a little a little break see for three and four, and now they're back for five, and they were back with a vengeance. This, yes, this is and, huge for Patrick Wilson and Rose Byrne. And I've seen in some of the, the previews, I was watching a YouTube video, as as I do, mm-hmm. and you know, checking out the competition, because we are YouTubers. Huh. Huh, and there was a commercial that I actually watched the whole way through that catches you up on what's going on in the insidious world, and I was wow. like, "That's brilliant!" Because I'd never helpful. seen an ins- I'd never seen an insidious movie, mm-hmm. but you know what? If I wanted to see this one, and listen, it's a huge hit, I can. Because guess what? I'm caught up. Yes, yes, yes. I do think this is a movie. For you to see in the States because you, you you went through all the effort of watching the catch-up commercial so you know what happened in the plot and it way overperformed. You know, 
We were high on this movie, and both of us were high 20s. I think I said 29 on the preview episode. You were 27, 28. This movie opened to what, 32? So 32. this, I think this has earned a, a viewing from at least one of the B.O. boys. You know, and right nice. now I'm in the French countryside. There's a small uh, cinema here. It's not showing Insidious the Red Door this week. Um, but I mean, I think back in the States, I think you, you get in the dirt truck and you really should check out this Red Door because it's a phenomenon. Well, well, so I did say, you know, I think I said 28 mm-hmm. or 29 as well. And I said, if this thing went over 30, I wouldn't be surprised. Right. And because horror is a force mm-hmm. and it doesn't matter what time of year. Mm-hmm. We've had summer horror hits. I mean, look at the Black Phone mm-hmm. last summer, Candyman, that mm-hmm. was the summer before. I mean, these, you know, a movie opening to $30 million. And listen, a Blumhouse movie, let's let's quickly, because we're going to get into the brass tacks here with this movie and why this movie did as well as it did. But can we just talk a little bit about Blumhouse? Because Everybody talks Pixar. Everybody mm. talks Marvel as, oh, you know, they were strong for so long. And we know both of those brands are waning. But I'll tell you a brand that's not waning. And I'll tell you a brand that does a great job of separating the wheat from the chaff, right? Mm. Mm-hmm. Blumhouse. People go see Blumhouse movies by name, even though Blumhouse sometimes puts out stinkers that go straight to VOD, straight to PVOD, yep. right? They know how to separate. Five Nights at Freddy's, that's mm-hmm. a movie that's going to theaters and Peacock. And you know why? They know it's a stinker. Mm-hmm. But mm-hmm. they have enough respect to say, you know, some people want to see this movie on a big screen because it was a huge video game. It was an IP that people were saying, oh, this would make a great movie. This would make a great movie. They had the Nicolas Cage knockoff movie that came out first. Willie's Wonderland. Yeah. And now, Five Nights at Freddy's, they know it's a stinker, but they're giving it, giving people a chance to see it on the big screen and also see it at home. But that's not going to make me think Blumhouse does stinkers because mm. we know they don't. We know right. they hit it out of the park. And this has been happening since The Purge, since Sinister. Like, this is. This is going to be an unprecedented run, and it shows no signs of stopping. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, Blumhouse has that brand loyalty, and they know they know when to put their chips into mi- the middle of the table. You know, they mm-hmm. knew this insidious red door. They had a they had a potential huge hit on their hands, and they they went crazy with the promotion. You know, we'll talk about it. They're doing live street suns they're getting their social media really revved up commercials all over the place like they knew this was the one and then they know here's the thing that we put on amazon prime you know Mm -hmm. blumhouse just knows which ones to back and they know the audience they know this young audience you know in the last year they've had hits with black phone last summer they had megan they've got this insidious red door they are just a reliable brand that knows how to reach that young audience. You know, we talk about 
is big screen comedy dead and and maybe it is you know or maybe it's never going to be what it was back in the day of you know Jim Carrey, Mike Myers, Adam Sandler, Will Ferrell, you know Melissa McCarthy movies, Seth Rogen movies, but in a way Blumhouse is serving the audience that used to go to those. And Insidious is not a comedy, but Insidious mm-hmm. is just a movie that young people got excited about the same way mm-hmm. they got excited about Megan, which was a comedy. I mean, Blumhouse, you know, I, something I've heard, I'll throw at you, I've heard people on, on, on in different arenas talking about why can't Blumhouse do with comedy what it does with horror, which is keep the budgets low, you know, make a bunch of bets on different movies, find the ones that they know this is going to be the hit and put all your chips in on it and make some low-budget comedy hits. I mean, do you think that is a thing Blumhouse should get into or it should just stay with what works? So there was a time where Happy Madison, which is, of course, Adam Sandler's production company, Mm -hmm. did a little offshoot called Scary Madison. Okay. They did a horror movie. Okay. And the reason why nobody's heard it. No, that wasn't a horror movie. Okay. I thought it was. Um, I've seen it and I thought it was. So they tried to do Scary Madison. And the reason why you've never heard of Scary Madison is because it was an absolute total failure. Mm. Blumhouse's milieu, if you will, is horror. There's no reason for them to branch off into comedy because it's not profitable. And mm-hmm. it would just dilute their brand. Right. And because right. the thing with comedy is that it's so hard to nail that on the head. Where horror, listen, horror is hard. I'm not saying making a horror movie is easy. But the brain trust there at Blumhouse know what they're doing. And why change horse in midstream? Not that they completely you know, put all their efforts behind comedy. I don't think comedy is a surefire thing right now. Mm-hmm. And so I wouldn't waste my time with it, to be honest with you. And that comes from a big screen comedy fan. Mm-hmm. I wouldn't waste mm-hmm. my time with it. Right. There's right. there's no pitch that you could give me at Blumhouse that wouldn't have a gigantic star in it that's willing to work for scale. Right. That I would get behind. Right. So focusing in on Insidious the Red Door, I mean – Rose Byrne is back. Patrick Wilson's back. And Patrick Wilson is directing. And Mm -hmm. right off the bat, this is a big hit for both of them. But it's a big hit for Patrick Wilson because it's a a situation similar to what we saw just a few months ago where Michael B. Jordan came back to star in Creed 3. But part of the deal was he would direct. And he would make Mm -hmm. his directorial debut. And he came out of the gate with a huge hit a huge opening weekend and Patrick Wilson I mean I I, I'm pretty sure this is his directorial debut I'm sure he's made short films and you know home videos with his kids and things like that but as far as I know this is his studio debut and right out of the gate he directs a movie that opens to 32 million dollars and obviously it's his like what Michael B. Jordan it's a franchise he stars in it's a sequel but I mean, what a smart move. This sets him up to be a guy who could direct studio movies. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. This is great. This is great for him. 
I think you wanted to mention something about people saying he still looks good. So here is something that uh, I think we have to note in relation to one of the, you know, movies that's not doing as well at the box office right now. But something that uh, it's in the deadline right through and something, a quote that they get from a fan of this movie, someone who went to watch this movie, is that the lead guy still looks the same. Meaning mm-hmm. Patrick Wilson, we're in the fifth movie of a franchise that started 12 years ago. And Patrick Wilson, which he does, still looks the same. Now, obviously, 12 years isn't the same as uh, uh, 40 years, which is the, the difference between the first Indiana Jones movie and this Indiana Jones movie. But if you look at Indy, I mean, a big part of why that movie did not hit expectations is just the natural fact that Harrison Ford is 80 and he does not look the same as he did in the first movie. But Patrick Wilson, this guy looks like he has an age a day. They did not have to, as far as I know, de-age him at all, which Mm -hmm. saves Blumhouse a lot of money. I don't think they would de-age because it doesn't fit into their budget. But they had a guy who looks the same as he always did and Rose Byrne. God bless her, looks the same as she always did. And that's what audience, listen, audiences like that. Obviously, people age and it's not, but but for a, a star-driven movie like this, it's a big bonus that you don't have to spend, you know, $80 million de-aging them. Yes. Insidious, The Red Door, if it would come, if it would have came out 20 years from now, then it's a different conversation, right? Maybe. I mean, Patrick but, Wilson, who knows? Rose Byrne, who knows? They're they're on a great trajectory. Mm-hmm. I mean, he looks the same as he did in that Famous Girls episode. And that came yes. out around the same time. I mean, like, what? That yes. was like 10 years ago now at this point. Yes. So, I mean, the man doesn't age. Let's talk a little bit about who saw this movie. Female heavy, 52% female. It did get a little o- older, 51% were under 25 versus 68% for the previous chapter. Okay. So the audience um, is aging a little with them as the as the actors age. But nonetheless, 18 to 34, 67%. Wow. And diverse crowd, 41% Hispanic and Latino, 26% Caucasian. 16% black and 12% Asian. So here's the thing. 12% Asian is a large percentage. Mm-hmm. And that is a percentage that would have been going to see Joyride if the marketing team over there doing the Joyride commercials could have done a better job or mm-hmm. made a better movie. Who knows? I, I don't. Right. I haven't seen the movie and I will not see the movie. But that's a big, I mean, that kind of backs my theory that the people who would have gone to see Joyride went to see Insidious. Yeah. So, you know, you mentioned the marketing team, and I think we got to give it up for this Insidious marketing team with some of the stunts that they came up with, which is becoming more and more a part of what you have to do to promote these horror movies. I, I mm-hmm. think the, the, uh, this the the greatest one is still the smile marketing promotion where they had the smiling people 
get tickets behind home plate at baseball games and sit there and smile and it went viral on social media. That's still the the greatest one yet. But, you know, this insidious red door did do these promotions in six different cities where they would have red doors set up on the street and then people would would knock on the door, they'd go in the door and they would get scared by something. People would grab mm-hmm. them, people would jump out and say boo, whatever whatever would happen. And they would film that, and they all went viral on TikTok, Instagram, so on and so forth, Facebook and and the like. And that is a type of thing that gets a young audience to be aware of a movie. And you didn't see that from the Joyride team. You know, they're trying to reach a young, diverse background. And I did not see any cars parked in major cities and... That, that, that's also the difference with comedy and horrors. At that point, what do you do with the joyride installation? Someone goes in a car and you vomit on them or, and you make them laugh. It's just, yeah. it's, it's, you know, you, it's much harder. You have a, 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 a local stand-up comedian sit in the car and tell them jokes. If anything, that's just going to make people hate the movie. If, well, if that's more if, of a you, horror. That's more of a horror show than a demon jumping out of a mm-hmm. red door for me. Yeah. If you had an open micer right. trying to make me laugh right. while I'm stuck in a car, that's a nightmare. I mean, listen, that's a Blumhouse movie. Yes, yes, yes. A guy yes. who gets picked up by hitchhiker. Uh, he's hitchhiking. He or she. Right. Or they. Or they, yep. Are picked up hitchhiking and in the car is all open micers. Yes, yes. That's a horror show. And that that's yeah. something that you could put an entire viral marketing campaign around. But mm-hmm. you can't really do that with Joyride the Comedy. And in Insidious the Red Door, you get these videos of people opening a door, getting scared, they're screaming, they're crying, and that makes you want to see that film. So again, these viral marketing campaigns for horror films, remember we had Megan where they would set the robot Megan's loose and they'd have the six different Megan's walking the streets. Mm-hmm. And that was a mix of, you know, comedy and horror, but that worked. And of course the scream films, they'll send Ghostface to just walk around neighborhoods and, you know, you just get a, a, a struggling actor into a ghost face costume. You set them loose if people get scared by him, great. If people beat the hell out of him, great. Doesn't matter. He's, you know, he signed a waiver. But you can't do that with something like Joyride. You can't just set up a car in the middle of a town square and then people get in and you make them laugh and you vomit on them. It just doesn't work. Mm-hmm. So yeah. you had a theory, though. Do you think that these insidious red door public installations were on the up and up? I mean, I watched a few of these, and here's, you know, listen, I, I don't want to be the the wizard behind the curtain or whatever, mm-hmm. but I've been involved in promotions before okay. on a freelance basis where you have a few people to pepper in so that people know how to react. Right. You'll have a few people that are hired actors that get pulled in and that scares someone else. And Mm -hmm. then, you know, then other people see what's going on and they get scared. So you have to set a precedent of like, you will be scared, but you will not be killed. 
Got it. And that's the job of the actor. Got it. Got it. Is that something you've ever had to say to a person in in one of these situations or in another real life situation? Have you ever said to someone else, you will be scared, but you will not be killed? I have said that. Yeah, absolutely. Okay. Great. Great. So, I mean, I'm not going to get into what situation it was, but it's been several times. Yeah. Yeah. Legally, we can't ask any follow ups. Yeah. No. No. Um, and you were not part of, you know, you've moved past that point in your life, I assume. Mm-hmm. You're, you were not part of any insidious red door uh, I'm live too promotions. Cleaned up, I'm too recognizable. Obviously, you were recognized in Paris. I mean, imagine. Right. I pretend that I'm a victim of a Red Door promotion. Right. They're going to be like, there's a shill. Yeah. They're going to call me a shill. They're all going to point and scream shill at me because they know I'm a B.O. boy. Yes. Yeah. And I can't get involved in that sort of thing anymore. I can't promote a movie in that way. Right. I can't be paid to promote in any avenue other than, you know, through the B.O. boys. Right, right, right. So that that part of your life has to be over mm-hmm. because you're too big of a celebrity to be uh, to be able to be in a live marketing installation. Yeah, yeah. So um, yeah, I mean, anything else on this insidious red door? Thirty-two million overperforming. I mean, once again, Patrick Wilson, Roseburn. I think huge win for them. Someone like Roseburn, who's a, a I, I think one of our personal favorite actresses seems to get a little bit stuck in the streaming uh, avenue. You know, I feel like she's always in some kind of Apple or Amazon streaming show, which is great. It's great work, you know, keeps you busy, gets you paid, pays for the the apartments and the houses and the cars and all that. But mm-hmm. movies are where it's at. We want to see Rose Byrne on the big screen like she was in Bridesmaids and the Neighbors films. And it's great that in between her streaming series, she has a movie that opens to $32 million. It, it gives her yeah. that credibility to, you know, maybe get a drama built around her on a small scale. To, to be the headliner of other horror films is probably more likely. But it, it lets the executives know she's still an opener in these genres. And, and I'll say Sony is a big winner here mm-hmm. because, you know, they have the the big Spider-Man cartoon, which is now the biggest earner of the summer so far. Mm-hmm. And they teamed with Blumhouse to promote this film. I mean, I still give Blumhouse most of the credit here, but some of the Sony movies Blumhouse has worked with uh, before, Fantasy Island was a bomb. The Craft reboot, the less we talk about that, the better. Yeah. But that was released to home video because they knew it was a stinker. Yeah. And Fantasy Island uh, opened before the pandemic, and that one was kind of DOA. That was that was a head scratcher. The, the how that got released in theaters, but yeah, yeah, it's one of the rare misfires yeah. from Blumhouse. But the Sony Blumhouse. You know, uh, marriage looks to be fruitful at the yeah. moment. Yeah, and and again, it's it shows another smart strategy by Blumhouse, where they'll work with several studios and several distributors because I, I think Universal is their home base 
you know, that's their black phone. That's their Megan. That's where they did get out. You know, that's mm-hmm. probably the most known partnership of Blumhouse, but they'll make a movie for Sony. They'll make Streamo movies for Amazon, for Hulu. You know, they work in different places at different levels, but they know when they've got gold on their hands. And they had a here with Insidious the Red Door. They nailed it. And they they could have released this in August, which is when a lot of horror movies get released in the summer. But they mm-hmm. decided, let's thread this needle. Let's bank on the fact that we think that this Dalla Destiny is DOA. Mm-hmm. And let's thread this in here before Mission Impossible comes and gobbles up all the audience. And the thing with this movie is that, yeah, it's going to have a big drop next weekend, but it's already profitable. Right, right, for sure. And just quickly before we leave this film, I just want to shout out an email we got from a new wannabe boy, Walker, who came to us as a, he's a Minifan, and then through yes. the Kirk Minahan episode, he has now become a wannabe boy, and he did ask about... Um, time, you know, the seasonal releases for horror films and how do we think that horror films do in the summer months? You showed us a little chart of when most horror films are released and it still is obviously a huge spike in October. You get mm-hmm. that spike in January, February because it's sort of a slower season. So you put out horror films to go against the smaller studio releases. But I mean, Summer has been a good month, a, a good time of year for horror films as well. I mean, you look back and you've got your Sixth Sense and you've got Blair Witch and mm-hmm. Conjuring movies, I'm pretty sure, came out in the summertime. And bla- just last year, you had Black Phone. You had um, the Candyman uh, remake, sequel, requel, whatever that was, that came out, what, August of 21 and opened to $23 million in a still you know, down period for box office. So I think horror to me is just a year round. Obviously October is the sweet spot. If you got a great one and you could get it out in October, you could get an extra bump there for spooky Mm -hmm. season, but you could put out a good horror movie in June or July and it's still going to get an audience. It it really doesn't matter anymore. There's an insatiable audience for horror, and, you know, we would have had Brent on one of these episodes if we weren't, you know, recording at 5 a.m. in the morning over here on the East Coast. But it's so true. People sleep on horror. Horror is the most consistent earner at the box office. Now, is it making Spider-Man cartoon money? No. No. But the budget is not Spider-Man cartoon budget. No. It's not elemental budget. No. Right. These it's not are Indiana Jones three hundred million dollar budget. Yeah. So if you're making a good product at a low price that brings in the youths, mm-hmm. then mm-hmm. you're doing something right. And that's what horror does. Yep. Yep. So you will keep track of Insidious the Red Door, but I think like you said, even if it has the expected big drops, thirty two million dollar opening weekend guarantees it is a success. So let's move on to the battle between the sound of freedom and the creaky sounds of Indiana Jones's joints, because that was a battle that we 
outlined and it happened this weekend. And I mean, Sound of Freedom, it didn't beat Indiana Jones in the three day. But I think once again, we have to point out what a wild box office story the Sound of Freedom is. So, Mm -hmm. I mean, let's get your first thoughts, Clayton, on Sound of Freedom and Indiana Jones and how close that was this weekend. 26 mil for Indiana Jones and 18 mil for Sound of Freedom, though others are saying it was closer to 20 mil. There's disputes out there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, I mean, uh, even though... Sound of Freedom has a literal ticket counter that you can go to the website mm-hmm. and look at. These numbers are going to be disputed all over the place because yeah. the the way it's being released, where it opened July 4th, it had some previews on that Monday beforehand, mm-hmm. and we're just now getting a total gross from that point to now, which mm-hmm. is $40 million. Wow. Wow. This movie, okay, the fact that we're even talking about it in the same breath as something like Indiana Jones, you know, shows Indiana Jones is a complete stinker. I mean, this thing is a tank job on a massive level. And it's it's irrelevant to even talk about at this point, I think. Wow. Because think- this is a film wow. that's in 4,600 theaters. And dropped 56% and made $26 million. And we're talking about Sand of Freedom, which is in 2,952 theaters and made 18.2. Sound of Freedom is the movie that the older folks, okay. the Indiana Jones bread and butter, right? They were hoping young kids would see Indiana Jones, but we've said, I mean, we said this. They, it's a dinosaur. It yeah. doesn't have the generational appeal of other such films like even, you know, Top Gun. Like right. Indiana Jones, you know, at this point, I think if you made a Goonies sequel, it would outgross an Indiana Jones film. Because Goonies that's... has lasted and Indiana Jones hasn't. Yeah. Yeah. Well, listen, I, I've always said it. I think Goonies versus Gremlins, that's a that's a surefire hit. Someone needs to get on that. And that could have done better than Indiana Jones. I mean, not to I mean, again, I think the thing with Indiana Jones is just the budget. Obviously, it's underperforming. You know, Stop the last it, movie just opened the budget. 100 million. It's a, it, it, there, it's there at 121 is, in two weekends and it's going to die Dude, in, it, Mission Impossible is going to eat this movie's lunch. This movie yes. is going to make like $10 million next week. Yes, it's true. There, There's just – listen, and, and I, I've heard this Are from other people. Are you sticking up for Indy? Uh, this is Anthony uh, D. Uh, D is for Disney. Is that who I'm talking to? No, no. You're talking to B.O. Boy Pat who's getting recognized okay. all over Europe. And I'm just speaking truths here. This is a movie that shouldn't have been made, and I'll, a lot of people have been, people have been saying that. I'll Thank give you. credit to former future guest Eric Weber. He's been saying this on and on on his platforms that the problem was always this movie could not have made as much based on the interest level in it as what it had to be budgeted for because obviously mm-hmm. you're paying – Harrison Ford, a crazy amount of money to come out there, and you're spending all this money on de-aging, and Lucas and Spielberg have to get $50 million apiece just to sit at home and eat nachos, and 
the budget on this could never have been low enough to justify what it had to make. And if there was a version of an Indiana Jones movie that could have been budgeted for under $100 million, then this gross is fine. But it... Because it's good to make one hundred and fifty million. You know, well, how much? End- how much did the Last Crusade? How much was Crystal Skull's budget? Like, you can't. You're coming up with a fear, a theoretical thing that's never going to happen. With right. the way budgets inflated, there's no way this movie would ever get made for a hundred million. Nobody gets out of bed for a hundred million dollar budgeted indie movie. Right. All these hot shots, all these big honchos. Like Spielberg, like if someone says, well, we're making a hundred million dollar Indiana Jones movie, Lucas and Spielberg would be like, what is it, a home movie? What are you doing? There's no way we're putting our names on that. Right, right, right. I mean, Spielberg, basically, that's what it costs him to make the post. So never mind Indiana Jones. No, I I agree. It is tough to, to imagine what this movie's expectations ever were because it was starring an 80-year-old actor in a character whose popularity probably peaked in 1989, you know, and and the 2008 movie was a sort of once-in-a-lifetime just, oh, this is an event we're seeing him again for the last time. So all to say, yes, this is tanking, but the more and more you think about it, what did they ever think this movie could have done? Well, here's the thing, Pat. Here's the thing. Is that Maverick did a lot of great for movies. Yes. Maverick, for especially movie theaters, it saved, saved the box, the office. box mm-hmm. office. But it also gave people brain worms mm. where they're thinking, well, if that thing... I mean, if that thing made so much money, well, what about Indiana Jones? And I know these were these movies were all, you know, Indiana Jones, Dial of Destiny was being made at the same time. Or, or actually, maybe it was being made after because uh, Maverick was ready to go in, what, 2019, 2020? But the thing is, is that it skews people's understanding of what mm-hmm. we want in legacy characters, right? I mean, look at Batman 1989. We right. thought that movie was going to be huge because of that. And people said, nah, Nolan's our Batman. We're good. Right, right. With a flash. And so a forgotten film at this point. Exactly. I know. It was It was funny that – thank you for reminding people. And again, Dial of Destiny is going to be a forgotten movie because this summer is going to be about the Spider-Man cartoon. Mm-hmm. It's going to be about Barbie. It's yep. going to be about Mission Impossible. And people will forget about The Flash, and people will forget about this film. Yeah, yeah. But let us not talk about this failure. Let's talk about a success. Let's okay. talk about Sound a successful marketing campaign, mm-hmm. right? That it's so funny. Listen, I'm not going to uh, – you can step aside. I'm not going to step in it, but I want you to be very clear of all this. So step, okay. step aside while I possibly step in it. Okay, I'm going out into uh, a French field right now to just Do walk it. about with my fellow countrymen. Yes. This movie is never going to be reported on in a positive way in most places. 
because everything's so highly politicized, right? So the brass tacks of this movie for us, because we don't have any sort of political investment in this movie, huh? Huh. We're looking at this movie as pure money for theaters, pure butts in seats. And what you can say for Angel Studios is that they put butts in seats in a time when you've got Joyride that can't put butts in seats. Indiana Jones can't put butts in seats. Now, is that this again? Is it at Spidey cartoon level? No, but this movie's budget is not Spidey cartoon level. This thing made $40 million. That is a lot of bank for this sort of movie with this sort of budget. This is a triumph of marketing. And is it a scam? Of course it's a scam. Do we, do we applaud this scam? We applaud all scams that work. Yeah. Right? And so the thing is, is that we're coming at this purely as this is a movie that's making money. And you could take from it what you want, but what we see is a big money earner and a really great marketing plan that we've said in previous episodes, people should copy. People should yeah. rip this off. This is not Angel Studios to keep. This can be done with any sort of movie. You just got to apply something to the tickets and let right. people buy them forward and anonymously give well, – I guess it's not anonymous. I don't know how it works, but – you're not giving it to your buddy. You're giving it to somebody you don't know, right? Mm-hmm. This could mm-hmm. work for many a movie, and it should be done. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, there's not a proprietary invention that Angel Studios has here on the pay it forward, ticket buying, on having the uh, ticket counter in the lower corner of your website. Like we've said before, that used to be standard practice for all websites back in the day, show how many mm-hmm. visitors came to a website. So Angel Studios is gamifying that in the year 2023, which is a great idea, but again, it's not proprietary. So Universal Studios and Warner Brothers and Disney, they could all start doing this in the next year, start getting people to feel like their ticket buying is serving some kind of purpose or mm-hmm. is commemorating some kind of child or whatever whatever you want to apply to whatever your movie is. You could learn from this Angel Studio scam, which again, in the world of the B.O. Boys, scams are positive because scams mm-hmm. get butts in seats, scams sell yeah. popcorn. Here's one thing I do hope with this film. So Sound okay. of Freedom is getting a lot of theater goers and and people are saying this you know they're saying that there's someone who doesn't regularly go to the movies but they're going to see sound of freedom in a movie theater going to, i mean these are they're going to amc's you know they're going mm-hmm. to regals the the highest grossing theater for sound of freedom in the last week was a regal in tennessee so they're going to big chain theaters many of which for the first time in a long time maybe the first time since maverick or the yeah. first time since you know, whatever rare movie that gets them out. I just hope that they are buying popcorn, that they're buying soda, that they're buying yes. candy, that they're not. And I'm not saying this to to denigrate the character of any particular kind of movie goer, but 
These are, again, moviegoers who don't go that frequently. I hope they're not sneaking candy in. They're not sneaking baked goods in from the outside, that they are mm. supporting these theaters because the sound of freedom found money, you know, these the, is great for theaters if the audience buys concessions because the theaters True. do not make the bulk of their money off of the tickets, especially in the opening weekend when the higher percentage goes to the studios. The theaters make their money off of concessions. So if you are a Sound of Freedom theater goer who's listening to this, you're probably a frequent theater goer because you're listening to the B.O. Boys. But mm-hmm. if you are a wannabe old boy, wannabe old girl, wannabe old person, person who knows someone who is going to Sound of Freedom, because if they went already, it doesn't matter. But if they're going this week and they're not a frequent theater goer, please tell that Sound of Freedom theater goer to buy popcorn, to buy a large soda, to to not sneak concessions into the theater. That's not how it's done. That will not help the theaters. So please, please let your Sound of Freedom going uh, friend know they have to buy concessions on site at the theater. And that's why, I mean, we've advocated for this, and it will someday, when our reach is vast, this will Mm -hmm. come true. Concessions need to be counted, and they need to be part of the box office. They don't need to be added into the box office totals or anything, but there should be a column Mm -hmm. that shows how much these people who went and saw these specific movies paid for concessions, right? Because I'm telling you, Insidious, that probably had higher concessions than Dial of Destiny. Mm -hmm. I would almost guarantee it because the people who go see Insidious, they're horror fans, they load up. They Mm -hmm. say, I'm making this an experience. I yeah. want to be spitting out my popcorn. Yes. I want to choke on a red vine. Yes. You don't I want to spill my soda. Yes. This th- this is a fan base that knows that p- that is part of the theater going experience is throwing your soda on the person next to you when you see someone jump out of the red door. Mhm. I think these Dial of Destiny people, they've got We've said this before. They got dentures. The popcorn's going to get stuck in them. They don't want that, Mishigash. They already ate dinner at 4 p.m. That's not a movie that's making a lot of money in concessions. No. Those those Indiana Jones Spider-Man cartoon. Mm -hmm. That's making concession money. Mm -hmm. And and Sound of Freedom, that's a great question. Because Angel Studios, these religious movies that are making this sort of money are new. Like Jesus Revolution, I'd love to see the breakdown of popcorn and sodi and jujubes. I'd love to see that because right. you're right. It's great to have new people come in. It's great to have people who don't normally go, but you got to play the game. If right. they're just coming in, you know, covered in dust, sit down, maybe get a sip of water from the water fountain, maybe maybe and then not- don't pay and leave you know don't pay for popcorn then that that you know listen all theater goers are great but they're not the best theater goers right and that's the type of thing that plays into a theater's decision to book films 
because mm-hmm. Jesus Revolution, and again, we don't know. We're not saying that we know that the theater goes for Jesus Revolution didn't buy popcorn. But mm-hmm. that movie overperformed at the box office. But if those theater goers did not buy popcorn, did not buy Mike and Ike's, even though that movie was a success, Jesus Revolution 2 will have a harder time getting booked in the theaters because, listen, the theater goer, the theater managers are going to say, that audience is a bunch of freeloaders. And so that is how you get the things that you like to continue getting made, to continue getting distributed, is you have to show that it's worth it financially for these theaters. Mm -hmm. So, you know, the same way that you, these uh, Sound of Freedom theater goers bought a ticket because it represented a kidnapped child. Think of that when you go and buy a box of Mike and Ike's. You know, you go to see Sound of Freedom and you buy a box of Mike and Ike's, there's probably 200 Mike and Ike's in a box. And, And think of that. These oh, are that's being nice. You think there's less? Less. So let's say 115 Mike and Ikes in a box of Mike and Ikes. Let's just say right. that, just for the sake okay. of continuing. 115 Mike and Ikes in a box of Mike and Ikes, that's 115 kidnapped children that you're representing. You know, I think that's how the next step is for the theaters to continue Angel Studios marketing. You know, a bucket of popcorn has hundreds, maybe a thousand individual kernels of popcorn, that whole bucket represents a thousand kidnapped children. You know, that's well, what the well, theaters have to market now. To, to say, I mean, to jump off that a little bit is that, you know, the negative way of looking at these people who come in, wipe the dust off their pants, maybe get a drink of water, watch the movie, and then solemnly leave, is that, they're freeloaders. But right. the other way for a theater to react, which I hope for, and listen, theaters are really slow to react to any sort of change, but you make things that cater to them. Mm-hmm. You figure out what sort of thing would they want to eat? What sort of gimmick can you have? And you were mentioning that, but like, you know how these smaller theaters have these themed cocktails. Have themed snacks for the religious folks, mm. for the church bus crowd. You've right. got to think ahead. You've got to think Angel Studios could, if they play their cards right, they could be the Blumhouse of religious films. They could mm. be the stamp of quality. They could be that sort of thing. But the theaters have to play along and the yes. theaters have to welcome. And part of that is we've got themed snacks for you as well. Mm-hmm. It's mm-hmm. not just going to be pink Barbie buckets or, you know, a Barbie dream house that you can put your nachos in, right? That's great. And and that's awesome. But those people don't want a Barbie dream house. They want something different. And so you have to figure out what that is. Right, right, right. The You know, pass out a uh, uh, Eucharist or something, you know, because in the end, Eucharist is just uh, a wafer. So you put... yeah some chocolate on there, and you got a theater concession. I mean, I'm going to step aside for this conversation. You can go ahead and step in that, but I I know what you're going for. I'm not, I don't feel like we're stepping in anything. We're just brainstorming. I'm not, because I stepped away. You, you, whatever you're stepping in is what you're stepping in. I'm off to the side over here. Hello. Hi. Anyway. Hi, everybody. These 
theaters could come up with concessions that make yes. these new theater goers feel at home, that want to make them pull their dust-covered wallets out of their dust-covered pants. Because there is something to these new Sound of Freedom theater goers. They walk into a theater and they look around an AMC and they're they're on a mission. They're there to see Sound of Freedom. Yeah. But the the setting itself maybe irks them or scares them. And they look at the concession stand and they is this a den of inequity or whatever it is mm-hmm. they're thinking. And so the concession stand has to if and has to not morally, has to if they want to make an extra buck, they have to get that theater goer to feel like, oh, this is okay. I could go over there, pull out my wrinkled $5 bill and spend it here. They should have pancakes. They should have a raffle, right? These are things that they should have. Just why can't you have a raffle at a a, a movie theater? Mm -hmm. Give Mm -hmm. them a raffle ticket. This is great. They'll be like, oh, a raffle? I get that. I know what a yes. raffle is. This is awesome. I'm yes. going to walk out and maybe they're going to call my number and who knows what I'll win. Right. Have have a barbecue pit set up in the concessions. You're making hot dogs anyway. You could even make the hot dogs the way you always do on that little box roller thing. But just at the end, throw them on a non-working uh, barbecue grill and let the Sound of Freedom theater goers buy it off of that. Make it feel like they're at a, uh, an outdoor barbecue. You know, mm-hmm. w- whatever it takes, you're selling the same hot dogs, but these are, you know, uh, uh, church backyard hot dogs instead of, you know, rolling box hot dogs. And, and you the could thing- probably put an upcharge on it. You could probably put, you could sell a $14 hot dog if, you, if you're making them think they're buying it from a church barbecue. Of course. So, I mean, the thing about movie theaters is for us, they are temples or sacred places, right? Yes. And they should be open and welcoming to everybody. Yes. And so part of that is making the place feel hospitable for everyone. Yes. And they could do it. They could do it. It's on them. And, yeah. They should and, do it. And and it's going to behoove them moving into the future to have it be hospitable for everyone. And hospitable because it will lead to profits. Because for us, when we look at movie theaters as a sacred place, as a sacred temple, we mean because there are tables out there doing commerce. That's how we look at our sacred temple. We're B.O. boys. Yeah. Of, of course. course. So That goes without Sound saying. Of, Sound of Freedom has made $40 million. I mean, we're way over time, but I got to throw out there – how high could this go? Has the Who knows? has this first forty million been the audience that was determined to see it, that was seeing it with a purpose, and then that's pretty much it? Or do you think that a that audience still has more box office to go? And will this cross over? Will will this turn into a movie, or has it already? We're just people are going because they hear it's an action movie. You know, because at the heart, that is, I haven't seen this. I probably won't see it until it's on cable and I'll check it out. But yeah. it's not it playing in action. France for sure. It's not playing in France. No, this it would be called, you know, the sound of ugly American freedom. And, yeah. you know, 
Um, I wonder if this is going to just cross over as a summer action movie in any way. Um, I Okay, to answer your first question, this movie is supposed to run till August 1st. Okay. And you can still buy tickets for that. I think the thing is, is they got to keep this promotion going. They got to keep people invested. They got to, you know, show people that you saw it once, you got to see it again. I mean, that's the thing is you got to keep this thing going. I don't think there's a limit to, I mean, it's already at 40. It could make like, dude, it, dude I mean, it just in like, Buying forward, you could buy forward, and those tickets could never be cashed in, and that's still tickets. So right. that's the thing about this is that you could just invest – if you wanted to, if you were somebody who was invested in this movie as somebody who's invested in you know what it represents to you, you could be like – Hey, I got some savings. I'm just going to pay it forward to these tickets. And those tickets never have to be cashed in. They pay for – like they they are um, counted as money towards this movie. So this movie could make $100 million. Yeah. Well, I mean, here, it could. That's, that's the thing. If, if just a regular studio movie had made $40 million after six days in the theaters, we would be – looking at it and and doing our multipliers and say it is going to make a hundred million domestic you know yeah. 40 million dollars after six days would usually pan out to be a hundred million dollars and obviously with this mm -hmm. movie we can't do that exact math because we don't know if general audiences are going to see this or it's just the audience that wanted to see it as part of a i don't know you know, uh, that were motivated especially to see it. So we don't mm -hmm. know, but there is the chance that this makes 100 million domestic. And I do think part of that is going to have to be just people going to see it because it's an action movie. And will that That's happen? where I am curious. I don't know if that's going to happen. I, I, I don't see this as like a movie that you would look at as – I mean, what's an action like plane? I just don't know if people are going to see this movie that would see like a, a Jerry Butler movie. Well, this is already because, grossed way more than plane but, or the but, typical but, Jerry Butler movie does domestically. It, because of its strong grassroots, what I'm saying is that the plane audience, mm -hmm. those people, Will they see this movie just because it's a quote-unquote action movie, which I don't even know if it's action-y at all. And it's a cop drama, I know that. But I don't know right. what level of action is involved here. So is this going to go mainstream, as you say? That I'm dubious about. Well, I mean, I think— I mean, of all the movies that I should see, I know Insidious is a big, big hit. I think I need to see Sound of Freedom. I, I, I do. I just think for this show, I know we've talked about should I see Mario, blah, 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 blah. This is, a, this is such a big question mark that I think I need to see Sound of Freedom. I think you do too. I, I agree. That's the I know one. Adam from the Stacks saw it, but like, and we love Adam from the Stacks. OG wannabe, oh boy. He's been on this, this story. Mm -hmm. He's the one who tipped us off on all this. Yep. But 
I think I need to see this movie, truly, just because I need to see if it's something that will cross over to the mainstream audience. Yes, because action movies used to be a staple of all year round, but especially the summer. And nowadays, obviously, it's big special effects movies and superhero movies, and you don't get your bread and butter, Sly Stallone, Bruce Willis, Van Damme, you know, just action movies, Nick Cage, Con Air. That's a, a genre that you don't but get Pat, in a But Pat, I think way. this is a cop and, drama. I don't know if it's an action movie. I don't know where well, you're getting that it's an action movie. Well, there's, because there this, will be gunplay. There will be shooting. There will be... What I'm saying is even cop dramas, you're not getting that type of movie. It's been one of the things that's been uh, taken over by superhero movies, special effects movies. Mm-hmm. So is there an opening for whether it's a cop drama or an action movie for that type of movie to just get some dads and some, you know, just action fans we'll see and again that's why i think yes you have to see this film and report back how mainstream can it go is there a world in which angel studios does change up the marketing a little bit now that they know that there's an audience for this to try and pitch it to a wider non-religious audience here's the thing you can't anger your base like the thing is is that you've got to dance with who brung ya. So if they really try and push this as this is a completely secular movie, that may turn off the people who are driving this film. Yeah, so it is a, a tricky, balance. It's a tricky game, but you know, it it all depends. It's the footage there. Is there footage there to cut a 30-second commercial that just makes this seem like an action adventure, you know, summertime movie? I don't know. We haven't seen this, but there, there's if they want to get to 100, 150, some crazy number like that, then they probably do have to pitch it that way. I think another promotion they could consider as we get a couple of weeks into this is, you know, two for one deals and, and cheap movies as a movie's been out for a while. That's a tried and true promotion. And maybe they tweak the marketing so that every time you buy a ticket, you're actually representing two kidnapped children. You know, it's like now it's well, the you would have promotion. to do, yeah, two for one. You do a promotion. You do a two for one. So when yeah. the movie obviously when it opened, one ticket equaled one child. But maybe as we get to the final weeks, as we get to one August, ticket equals two childs. Yeah, one ticket equals two childs, and you run that promotion, and that gets probably a lot of people to see it again. Because my ticket's going further. Yes, yes. Your ticket now in August, in the movie's final weeks, your ticket represents two, two childs, two children. Okay, so, yeah. So it's, it's you know, that's the type of thing they have to do if they want this movie to hit 100, 120 at the domestic box office, which is now is possible. So we'll be following Definitely the story. One of the stories of the summer for sure. Yeah, so Clayton... We're going to have another episode later this week. It'll be my final episode on this European tour. So look forward to that. We're going to be pre. Why don't you call it European Vacation? It's a movie. Well, I, I, I want to make sure that the IP is proprietary to the show. So for, okay. for the purpose of our show, the IP is Pat's European tour. Oh, so good. we own that. I got it. Yeah. Oh, perfect. So Mission Impossible 
opens in the middle of this week. So we'll be previewing that very soon. That's going to be huge. And we won't touch on it now, but Barbie Oppenheimer comes out in just a week or so. It's going to be the biggest, maybe the biggest box office story we've ever covered on this show. I know we've covered Avatar. We've covered Maverick. But this Barbie Oppenheimer situation, it's feeling like it's going to be a legendary box office moment. So we will be covering that soon. The the tracking is coming out, and it is looking wild. So we're going to be talking about that maybe on the next episode, getting into it. But a lot to come in the in the next few episodes of the Bo Boys. Uh, summer is only half over. Yeah, yeah. In a way, this really is kind of the start of the summer movie season in the sense that June was was such a disaster with your Indiana mm-hmm. Joneses and somehow Transformers is the biggest movie of June other than Spidey cartoon. Spidey yeah. cartoon was the biggest, but so many June bombs. And now we've got Mission Impossible, Barbie, Oppenheimer all in a row. This feels like the heart of summer right now. And it is. I mean, kids are, no matter what school you go to, they are out. Yes. And they are about, you yeah. know, college is out. Yes. People are going to see films. Yes. Yes. So this is it. So Clayton, of course, like we said earlier, listeners should give us five-star reviews on Apple Podcasts. That helps get the podcast out to new listeners who desperately need this information. Subscribe to the YouTube channel. So this is important. If you're a listener of this show and you haven't done that yet, subscribe right now to the BO Boys YouTube channel because it's very important to get the subscriber count to continue to to grow there and, again, reach more listeners and uh, grow the show. So that is important. Even if you're not going to watch us on YouTube, that subscription helps immensely for the cause. Mm -hmm. So subscribe on the B.O. Boys YouTube channel and then smash that like button, ring that bell. But subscribing right now is the most important thing. And we love getting our comments on the YouTube videos. In fact... I think on a, a future episode, we read emails. We should check out some of the comments that we've been getting on our YouTube videos. Very insightful stuff there. So follow us on YouTube. Follow us now on TikTok and Twitter. But I think TikTok is going to be the future for B.O. Boys social media. So we are at the B.O. Boys pod on TikTok and Twitter. And WannaBO intern Christopher is killing it with the vertical video clips he's gone vertical and people are loving it loving the vertical mm-hmm. clips thank you want to be owen sir christopher doing a great job i'll be seeing him in just a few weeks in san diego for comic-con we'll be reporting live from comic-con together so that's going to be huge and wow, you uh, guys will be there but marvel won't be there dc won't be there who else is not going to be there but you will uh, be there that's the most we important will be thing. there fill in the void left by these major studios. So uh, the B.O. Boys will be at Comic-Con. And, of course, email us, theboboyspodcast at gmail.com. We love getting your emails. We'll be reading more of them on the preview episode. And we love your boots on the ground reporting and your tips. Once again, want to be boy Anna from the Stacks. He's the reason that we were on the Sound of Freedom story before any else. There was nobody mm-hmm. covering this movie as early as the B.O. Boys, thanks to our listeners. So send us those emails, 
theboboyspodcast at gmail.com. And I think we've done it, Clayton. I don't think there's anything left to say. Pat. No. Except until next time. We'll smell you at the box. Oh.